All right, how are we doing tonight? All right, yeah, that's what we're dealing with tonight. I like it, you guys. Welcome to Red Rocks Young Adults. If this is your first time of joining us, we are so glad that you're here. You're an answer to prayer. And we want you to know um, that we've been expecting you, we've been waiting for you, that we've been praying uh, for the young adults of Denver for a really long time. And uh, there's things that we hold dear here at Red Rocks Young Adults that we consider our vision and our mission And every now and then, I like to reiterate those things. We believe in bringing uh, the kingdom of heaven to earth. We believe in making room for everyone, that Christ's love is for everyone, and um, that no one is outside the realms of his love, and that our job is to extend that love. And we believe um, that we are the people that are supposed to be the bearers of that good news. And so um, if, you're, if you've been here for a long time, I am praying that you are actually um, a bearer of that, that you actually take hold of um, the mission and the vision of this place and you extend it to other people. And then if you've been here for five minutes, I pray that you feel um, just welcomed here and loved here and accepted here. Um, that is what we are all about. We have been in a series called Young Adult University. Okay, and it's been awesome. Um, The whole point of this series was we got together with the interns and we were trying to come up with um, what are we going to talk about? You know, what's a series that you guys can all fit in and what are your topics and what do you want to preach on? And every single one of them was just like, look, you know, I don't know if there's a theme or whatever, but like this, this has been such a huge lesson for me from God in my 20s. This is this is just this has been the most impactful thing for me that I've learned in my 20s. And so we talked about it and we were like, okay, well then that's what that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the lessons that can't be learned in school. We're going to talk about the lessons that can't be learned in a classroom, lessons that there's no other way for them to come except through life experience, lessons that we learn in our day-to-day lives with the Lord. And so that's what we've been doing. And in week 1 Connor talked and he talked about the posture that God has towards us. And that God is a God who, no matter how far off you are, that he chases after you. No matter where you're at in life, no matter how um, distant you feel from him, that he comes after you, right? And then in week two, Whitney got up here and she talked about the reality um, that you don't have to be the smartest. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to bring to the table talents or anything. All you need to do is share what God has done for you. That's it. That's it. Share your story and that your story has power. And tonight, um, what I want to talk to you guys about is the season between your call and your promotion. Yeah, right? This, uh, yeah, that's everybody in here. Raise a hand. You're in the season between your call and your promotion. Say, you know, like you've got dreams, you've got talents. People in the back, raise a hand. You've got dreams, you've got talents, right? And you are in between your call and your promotion. And so tonight what I want to talk about is this thing called humility. And the question that I have for you is what kind of people does God promote? That's the question. What kind of people does God promote? And so we're going to read from 1 Peter, and this is going to be kind of the theme verse for tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. 1 Peter 5, beautiful verse, and here we go. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as, God's, um, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who, entrusted, um, who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, and in due time, he will promote you. He will promote you. And so if you are taking notes tonight, humble yourself is what we're going to circle. And what I'm titling tonight is the understudy years, the understudy years. All right, so let's pray. Let's invite Jesus to be here with us. All right, God, thank you so much for tonight. Um, I request, God, that you would just come and that you would just be, um, just bring a sweet presence tonight. Whatever kind of presence you want to bring, whatever kind of moment you want to bring, God. Um, God, this stage is yours, and I give you permission, and I set myself aside. And tonight I ask, God, that your word would just be uh, permeating our hearts, that we would open ourselves up to you, God, and that you would, we would learn what it is, the types of people that you desire us to be so that we can go forth and pursue the things that you've called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, is anybody in here, um, they, like, they enjoy acting? Um, they enjoy a couple of you? There's a word out there, most awkward word ever, thespian is what it is. Any thespians in here? Awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's all right. Um, okay. All right, so, so, we're going to just keep going. So, um, I, in, uh, in high school and in college, I dabbled in the acting realm a little bit, enjoyed it, okay? And I went to, I got saved when I was 18, went to a Christian college, okay? And at Christian colleges, they don't, you know, they don't do shows like Wicked, right? I wish they did, but they don't. They do things like, you know, um, you know Sarah and Abraham, the musical, and, and you know, the, the geriatric years, you know, and you're like... And you're like, all right. And then, you know, and so, you know, they do those kind of shows. They do those kind of plays. And so I realized that there was a play that was going to be happening at my university. And it was a modern day version of Job. And so, you know, super fun. And so, so I was like, sweet, I'm going to try out. So I head down, you know, and I, and I do an audition. And I know the deal, you know, I know how to slate. I've done the deal, you know. And so I audition. And like any good person in here, like any of you in here, the, the, the role that I was shooting for, okay, the, the, the place that I wanted to be, the person that I wanted to play was obviously the lead role. That's what I was aiming for. And so I get in there, and I do my audition, and I, you know, do as best as I can, do the best reading I possibly can. A week goes by, and they place the names up on the theater door. This is a true story. And I walk to the theater, and I'm like, all right, let's see if I got the lead. The lead role was Job's wife, okay? It's like, whatever. It's, you know, super sad story. And so... I get up there, and, and I'm reading, and I see that Job's wife, I don't see my name next there to there, right? And I kind of keep going, and I'm looking, and I'm like, Jess Hills, Jess Hills, Jess, because that was my main name. And I'm like, Jess Hills, Jess Hills. And I get down to the bottom, true story, and it says, Jess Hills, prostitute. <laughs> it was, you know, it was a Christian play, and so... You know, there was nothing funky going on. I, I just, you know, my, but I had two lines. I had two lines in this entire play. I said, oh, my goodness. And I said, he looks horrible. <laughs> Literally. 
my two lines, the whole play. And I remember it being like, oh my goodness, the, the good news and the cool part of it was, was um, I got to play that role, but then I also was the understudy to the lead. And so if she, you know, you know, we say, hey, go break a leg, but, like, but if she actually broke a leg, like I'd got to, you know, I get to fill in, right? And so I, I was excited about that, um, but it was one of those moments, and, and, and hear me out, hear me out, because I think this is everybody's story in here. There is a role that you have been called to play. There is a dream that you have been called to fulfill. But there is a role that you are playing right now that looks nothing like that role. Am I right? This is everybody's story in their young, young adult years. You're called to be a teacher to raise up the next generation. You're called to be a minister, to start a business. You're called to be a leader or a world changer. But there is a distance and there is a season between your call and your promotion. And right now, you are in a role that is not that role. And you are in a season that is not that promotion. And you are um, in, a, in an understudy moment. You are in your understudy years. And what I believe God wants to say to us tonight and what, it, what he wants to invite us into tonight is the idea that the way that you steward your understudy years will have a direct influence over the type of leadership that you are to have someday in the future. And we are going to read a story about Elijah and Elisha and this man, Elisha, we can learn so much from because when we meet him, he is in his understudy role. He is not in the role that he is called to be. He is in understudy when we meet him. And there are two characters. And the first character is a man named Elijah. Elijah is the prophet incumbent, okay? He is the current prophet. He is the one that when we meet him, and he, you know, he is one of the most well-known prophets of all time. Like, when Jesus comes down, they actually think, oh, maybe you, you know, like, Elijah has come back to us. That's who you are. I love that you guys are reading this. Okay, so, <laughs> it says his resume. He was a prophet during the reign of Ahab. He stopped the reigns at his command. It literally says the very first thing that we learn about him is he tells Ahab, he says, yo, it's not going to rain for three years until I say so. That's Elijah miraculously fed by ravens, miraculously fed a widow, sacrifice showdown with Baal. His claim to fame was he called down fire from heaven. And basically there was a God named Baal, okay, because back then they didn't worship TVs and like sports and things like that. They worshiped gods. And so um, there was false gods. And he comes to the prophets of Baal and he says, okay, he says, why don't you take a bull and chop it up and you lay it on the altar. I'm going to take a bull, I'm going to chop it up and I'm going to lay it on the altar and then you call out to your God to bring fire down and burn up that offering and then I'll call down fire from my God and we'll see whose God is Lord. And so he, he gets up there and, and the prophets of Baal start calling out to their God and they're like, oh Baal, you know, do your thing. And nothing happens. And he goes, this is literally the story. He goes, oh, maybe your God's sleeping. <laughs> maybe, he literally says this. He goes, maybe, maybe your God is um, deep in thought. That's what he says to them. 
And then he goes, okay, now give me a shot. And he has some servants come and douse his sacrifice with water three times. And then he calls down to the one and only Lord, the God, the Jehovah, the God of Israel. And he says, God, bring down your fire. And the fire comes down and burns up the entire offering. This guy is the man. He is the prophet incumbent, okay? And when we meet him, God, um, and when we meet him, God is doing all of these miraculous things through him. But then he has a moment with God where God says, you need to start preparing the prophet that's, that is to come after you. And this is 1 Kings 19. It says, also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Snapchat. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, though. <laughs> From Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. God's, God speaks to Elijah and he says, anoint Elisha, okay? You need to go and you need to anoint him. And when we meet Elisha, this is his resume. This is what we, when we meet him, he is, he is called. He is called, but this is his resume. When we meet him, he is a farmhand and he is known for being a, a, an extremely hard worker, y'all. But his skill currently is with plows and with oxen. This is what it says. So Elisha, um, so he goes and he anoints Elijah. And it says, uh, 1 Kings 19. Uh, so Elijah went down and he found Elisha, son of Snapchat. I, the, it's sorry. Okay, so he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This is his moment. And maybe you've had this moment. We have all, I hope. And if you don't believe that God has a call for you, can I just say to you in the kindest and most loving and most encouraging way possible that God does have a call for you, that he does believe in you, that he has a plan for you, that you might think that um, there is nothing special about you, but he does. And he has a specific plan just for you. And if you walk it out and if you fulfill it, you're the only one that can. And so this is Elisha's moment, and he knows that he is the next big deal. He knows it. He is going to be the mouthpiece for God to the entire nation of Israel, and he will lead them as only he can. But in the moment, he is playing a role that is completely unlike his calling. Isn't this our story as young adults? Isn't this your story? You're called to lead, but you're currently filing papers for somebody else. You're called to change the world, but you feel strapped down by your job at Starbucks. You feel called to create or start your own thing, but right now you are an intern at that Fortune 500 company. You're pushing papers. You're bringing people coffee. You're delivering packages. You're cleaning. Like, this is not necessarily the role that you thought you would have. This is our story. This was my, this is my story. I, felt, I uh, fell in love with the Lord when I was 18. When I was 20 years old, I was sitting in a chapel service, and I remembered um, just being enamored with worship and having this moment with God where I was so excited to just be with him. And he spoke very clearly to me, and he said, you are going to be a minister. And then he said this, and I'll never forget. He said, dig in. I'm preparing you. Those were his ex exact words. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, and I'm so excited, I'm humbled and I'm so excited. And so I pray and I pray. And then when I graduate from college, the role that I have initially, the role that God gives me 
that he blesses me with his waiting tables. And so for three years, I bring people waters and I bring people um, iced tea, way too many iced teas, <laughs> bad on the hips. And I bring them their steak and I take back their steak when it's undercooked and I, um, and I smile and I talk to my coworkers about Jesus and I pray with them and I talk to them about the movie that they saw that had religious undertones and I spent three years waiting tables and I know I'm called. After that, God promotes me and he gives me a job at Red Rocks Church, which I have no idea why. I don't know why they hired me to this day but I'm grateful. And, uh, but it was not, I was not leading. I was not influencing in my mind the way that I thought you would influence. I wasn't influencing. I was hired to be the administrator. And so for three years after that, I set up chairs and I took down chairs and I fixed coffee makers and I hung curtains and I answered phones and I prayed with people when they lost children. And I set up, um, you know, sign-up sheets, and I inputted sign-up sheets. And I managed our Kids Rock volunteers and our regular volunteers, and I brought coffee to our volunteers and donuts, right? Because, like, that's how we feed you guys, and we love you guys. Thank you, volunteers. You know, like, like that's what I did for three years. And I remember one Sunday, a toilet had overflowed at Red Rocks, and I brought a mop and, like, no one saw me, right? Like, because, like, I, I just, I was, there was already tears. And I brought a mop into the girls' bathroom. And I just started mopping. And I was just like, this cannot be it. This is not the role. Is this the role? There is a season between the call and the promotion. And it is a season where you are an understudy. And God wants to know tonight what are you going to do with your understudy years? What are you going to do? How are you going to steward your understudy years? Because there are two paths. And I want to say this in the kindest and most gentlest and, um, and, and speak from my experience and from my weakness. But there are two ways to approach this. And there is the first way, and that is the way of humility and to be completely humble through the circumstance that God is giving you. And the other path is to not. To be completely humble to the circumstance that he has given you. Or to not. Elisha is the understudy to Elijah. And we can learn so much from him because the way that he stewards his understudy years is so perfect and so inspirational. And I think there's three things we can learn. And the first thing is this. He's submitted to the process. He's committed to his role. He's submitted to the process and he's committed to his role. Elisha gets called, but then immediately he is given the role of being a servant. It says this in 1 Kings, this is 19, and I'm going to start in 20, but you guys will read 21. Elisha then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. So this is right after he's called, y'all. This is the moment after he receives his dream. This is the moment after he receives his moment. And he says, let me go kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I'll come with you. And Elijah says, sure thing, you go do that. So then Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment, and he took the meat and cooked it and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he, um, and then he set out to follow Elijah and what? Become his servant. He gets called, 
but then his role is to be a servant. And this is, this is God's place where he is going to mold Elisha. This is God's circumstance where he is going to make Elisha into the person that he needs to be. This is not a job. This is not a bad circumstance. This is not a crappy role. This is God's way of making Elisha into the man that he needs to be. And our job, Elisha's job, his only job was to commit to that role. That's it. That's the only thing he was supposed to do. And as young adults, can I just be honest, my hand's up because I'm terrible at this, but we struggle to being committed to the role that God gives us. We struggle, y'all. The struggle's real, right? We struggle, right? I hear it all the time. It's like, oh, well, this job isn't enough money. It's not, it's not, it's not giving me what I need. It's, uh, you know, it's not fulfilling me. Like, like it's not, this isn't my call. This isn't my degree. This isn't even close to what I thought I'd be doing. And we quit the job. I never, I like, I had this conversation so many times, but I had it specifically with a girl just a little while ago and she had landed a job and it was a good job. It was a good job. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. And she's like, yeah, but it's not really in my field. It's not really what I'm feeling like I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not really, you know, like I don't really feel like it's quite me. Um, and so I'm just going to, I think I'm going to turn it down and I'm going to keep looking. And six months later, I talked to her and I was like, how's it going? You know, how's that job going? Um, are you still looking for a job? And she's like, well, I, I got another job. But it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't, ah, it wasn't fulfilling me. So I, I quit that job. We struggle. And it's all right, but we struggle to commit to the role that he has so graciously given us. And we know, we know from scripture, y'all, that God will not give us more until we are faithful with what he currently gives us. But we forget, right? Like we forget, parable of the talents, there's three, there's three people in the parable of the talents. And the master, okay, the God figure, he gives the first man some money, and then he gives the second man some money, and he gives the third man some money. Um, or he gives them talents or resources, or he gives them a role for the sake of what we're talking about tonight. And two of the men go and they work the role. They commit to the role. They submit to the process. They do everything they can with what they have been given. They do everything they can with what they've been given. And then there's one man, and the master comes back to the two, and he says, oh, my gosh, you did such a good job. Thank you so much for all of your hard work. I'm going to give you more. But there's one man, and, and he takes what he's given, but it's not what he wanted. And so what does he do with it? He takes it out into a field, the role he's been given, and he buries it. He buries it. And the master returns and he looks at him and he says, what did you do with, the, with what I gave you? And he says, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I'm really sorry. Here, you can have it back. And God says in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Come on, young adults. But whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with very much. These are God's words. He wants you to know tonight, can you be trusted with the little because you have no idea what I have waiting for you? You have no idea. Elisha gets it. He gets his role, and he is completely committed to being a servant. 
In fact, um, and, and you know, and that's his role. You got to think. I mean, he's called to be a prophet, but his, his what he's known for for the next couple of years has nothing to do with that. What he's known for is being a servant. It says so. He so he set out. Just to repeat, he said. Then he set out, and he followed him to become Elijah's servant. And I love this because it talks about what he did. And it says he went home and he burned the oxen and he, um, you know, he boiled down his leather and he dispersed, you know, the oxen and um, he dispersed the leather out to the people. And you know what he's doing here? He's not giving himself another option. He is committing completely to the role that God has given him. He is all in. You know what he's saying in that moment? He's like, like he knows. Like Elijah's like, you're going to be my servant. And he's like, sweet. There's no going back for him. He's all in to what God has called him into. He is completely submitted to the process. He is completely committed to what God has given him in a role. And then he submitted to Elijah. In 1 Peter, it says, to, um, it says to submit to your elders, which is just like a King James Version way of saying that we um, honor and we come under the people who have gone before us. That we honor and we come under our bosses. You know the saying, um, be the employee that, you, that you, you, know, you hope to have someday, or maybe you've heard that, I don't know. They say that in the business world a lot. Be the employee you want to be someday, son. You know, and you're like, sweet. Um, <laughs> Elisha was the employee that everybody wanted to have. Elisha served Elijah with such fervency and such um, honor and such respect and such diligence that it actually made Elijah's ministry better. He was that kind of a servant. He was the kind of servant, and he was known for this throughout all of the kingdom. Um, He was known for washing the hands of Elijah. (laughs) He wasn't known for being an awesome preacher. He wasn't known for being an awesome prophet. He was known as the dude who washes Elijah's hands. And everybody looked at him and they said, oh, he's the dude that washes his hands. That's the guy that washes. He's the guy that washes the hands. That's how he's known. At, at one point, Elijah says, you can leave me, Elisha. You can go. He gives him permission to, like, go do his own thing because Elijah's kind of a loner. You can read about him sometime, but he's kind of a loner. And he's like, dude, like, like shoe flat, you know. And so Elisha's like, no, I won't leave you. He's completely devoted and completely dedicated to his leader, to his boss. And I wonder how many of us in here can say that we are completely devoted and completely sold out and completely honoring of our leader, of our boss, of the people who have gone before us. It's a struggle for us, and the struggle is real. Romans 13 says this, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment not on their boss, but on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free of fear from the one in authority? Then do what's right, and you will be commended. For the one who is in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servant, agents of wrath, wrath, excuse me, to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, because of a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what is owed to them. If taxes, then taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans is giving us a clue in how we are to deal with our authority. And most of us, and this is a human problem. This is not a young adult problem. This is not your problem. This is my problem. This is a humanity problem. Most of us struggle, and it is not innate in us to honor our authority. It's just not. Most of the time, the things that I hear about when I ask about our bosses and when I ask how people's jobs are doing are things like, well, you know, they're not really the sharpest tool in the shed. They're not really. He's kind of a thing. You know what I mean? He's kind of a beep. You know, like, (laughs) you guys don't talk that way here. Thank you. Thank you. Watch your mouths. Um... Most of the time when we talk about these people, we have what we call complaints. Most of the time when we talk about these people that scripture says God has given us, we complain. And I was listening to Joyce Myers a few years ago and she was talking about the thing, like what we do with our mouths and it's something I'm always trying to tame. And, and she talked about our mouths and she said, be careful when you complain. Because the com- word complain and the word murmur, you know, mean the same thing. The word murmur, though, um, it, it, the history of the word meant to stay overnight somewhere. When you murmur, when you complain, when you murmur, you know, murmuring meant to stay overnight somewhere. And so when we complain, she said, we stay right where we are. When we complain, we remain. When we complain about our bosses, when we complain about the scenario that God has so graciously given us, we stay right where we are. Complainers are remainers. And Romans is talking to us and it's pleading with us. It's saying just do one simple thing. It's not innate. It doesn't come naturally. But if you can, honor them. Be respectful towards them. For the authorities, this is Romans 13, 1 and then 4. The authorities that exist have been established not by humans, by God. And I know that's super difficult for us to even comprehend. For the one who is in authority is God's servant for your good. And you're thinking, no way. No way is this dude here for my good. And God's just saying, just wait, just wait. Just see what I can do through him or through her. I am making you, I am preparing you into the person I need you to be. He's here for our good. She's here for our good. And scripture tells us, give honor, give respect. And I think sometimes it's difficult for us, right? Because we think, well, um, I want to be leading though. And right now I'm not in a position. I don't have a title to lead. Can I share something with you? You are completely able to lead and completely able to have power and influence even though your title does not say so. You are completely able to lead even though your title does not say so. Power is not about position. It's about influence. When you care about others, when you're trustworthy, when you're respectful, when you show up on time, when you treat people well, when you, um, when you honor the people who have gone before you, people will follow you. 
You will have influence. And I've watched um, the staff at Red Rocks do this in the most epic way. And at times, I've tried to do this in the, in, in, in the best way possible. But I'll come to Chad or I'll come to Sean and I'll say, I have this idea. And I'll do it in a respectful way. And I will honor their time. And I will honor, um, you know, what, hopefully what they have going on that week. And I'll be like, I've got this idea. What do you think about this? I actually think this could make our organization better. And there have been times where Whitney or Connor or Luke have come to me and they've said, Jess, what do you think about bringing NF to the Red Conference? Or what do you think about, what do you think about this new social media blaster? You know, Charlotte will, like, draw something up, like, on, I don't even know. And she'll, like, she'll be like, what do you, like, I'm going to build this. And I'm like, yes. Like, there is a way to lead. Lead. And you don't have to have the title of a leader. In fact, I would argue that um, organizations that are going to go the farthest are ones that have people with humble influence. Not necessarily big titles, but humble influence. And God is trying to speak to us. I believe He wants to speak to every single one of us in here. And He wants to say, Look, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like you're stuck, if you're feeling like this isn't the role that God has given you, if you're feeling like, man, this is not what I had planned, God is simply telling you, submit to the process. Commit to this role. Don't give up. Don't give up on this role. And honor the people who have gone before you. Elisha did this. Elisha did this, and he did it all with flying colors. He was humble. He was a servant. He was a hard worker. He was completely committed. He was submitted to the fact that he wasn't going to be a prophet right away. He was submitted to it. And so what kind of leader do you think he made? What kind of leader do you think he made? The best. The best of the best. And the last thing about Elisha, and this is probably my favorite thing about him, is he stayed humble. But y'all, you better believe he stayed hungry. Do you hear me? He stayed humble, but he stayed hungry. If pride is the enemy of promotion, Elisha knew it and he said, all right, all right, I'm going to stay humble and I'm going to completely submit to where I'm at. God, you have given me this role. I know that you will work it for my good. Romans 8 says that you work all things together for my good. And so God, I'm right here. I'm going to be diligent with what you have given me. And I know that someday there is a promotion that is waiting for me. First Peter says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. In due time, he is going to lift you up. God is giving us a role. He is giving you a role, me a role, with which to mold you, with which to fashion you, with which to make you ready for the call that he has for you. And you can stay humble and you can be hungry. Just because you're humble doesn't mean that you're not hungering for that dream. In fact, I would argue that the most... Um, Humble people in the room are those who submit even when they're really hungry for that dream. A point came. It's at the end of um, Elijah's time, and he's going to get drawn up to, into heaven. He doesn't even die. How awesome is that? Pray for that. <laughs> Elijah is about to get taken up into heaven, and Eli he, he goes to Elisha. This is so awesome. He says, Elisha. You've been my dude. What can I do for you? 
Do you realize that if you are awesome towards your bosses, that you are awesome towards your leader, and you, and you work hard for them, and you are honoring and respectful towards them, there will come a day, mark my words, where he or she will come to you and be like, yo, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. And Elijah came to Elisha, and he says, what do you want? And you see Elisha's hunger. He's been waiting. He's been waiting for this moment. And he says, Elijah, your leadership, your spirit, your abilities, I would like a double portion, please. Oh, bold. Elijah says, okay. Okay, bro. Elisha watches Elijah get drawn up into heaven. And he has a double portion. And it's so awesome, you guys, because the way that Elisha leads is so similar to the way that Elijah led. Like he learned so much under his, you know, under his whatever, what, what, Padawan, what is it? I don't know, Star Wars. <laughs> uh, it's one of those nights, and I'm sorry. Um, humility is not being a doormat. It is not you being a victim. It is the opposite of that. Humility is meekness. Scripture tells us that Jesus was meek. Do you know what meekness is? It's not weakness. It's not. I used to think that meekness was like, I pictured like a really scrawny dude, like, I'm meek. And that's not it. Meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under humility. And every single one of us in here needs to take the call, needs to take the talent, take the power that he has given us and humble ourselves under God's mighty hand because in due time, he will promote us. And not just that, not just that, but do you understand, no matter where you're at tonight, if you're like, Jess, I don't even have a dream, what are you talking about? Do you know that God is more committed to you being successful for the sake of his, com- uh, his co- kingdom than you are? He is so committed to you being promoted. He is so committed to you. He's more um, into your dreams. He's the one that gave you your dreams. He wants to see you fulfill those dreams. But in order to do that, you have got to be ready. And so he says, would you be willing to submit to the process? Would you be willing to commit to this role? Would you be willing to submit to your elders? And in due time, y'all, I will promote you. If you're in here tonight and you have a dream, just stand up and we're going to worship. If you could stand up. It is out of his grace And he says to every single one of us in here, I will promote you if you would just humble yourself. And um, I wasn't going to pray for you, but real quick, if uh, every head bowed in here, um, if you are in here and you're just saying, yo, like pride is the enemy of promotion and I deal with it. I deal with it and it's hard. And and I, I want to just in front of God tonight, just say, I trust you, God, with this role. And I'm going to set my pride aside and I'm going to humble myself under this role. If that's you tonight, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. A whole bunch of us. God, I thank you for every single dreamer in here. I thank you for the people who don't know you yet. 
And I pray that tonight, that every single person in here would not give up on what you have called them to do, God, but that they would understand that all they need to do is to be completely committed to where they are at, that that's their job, and that your job is to promote them in due time. We are trusting you. We know that you're good. And God, I thank you for everything that you're going to accomplish through the people in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.